Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today on Heartstone's podcast. I'm Sandra Martin-Hicks, founder of Heartstone Network. I hope you'll check us out at heartstonenetwork.com. You'll find a collection of great stories, teachings, and motivational content to help empower you to live in these difficult times. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I've been a filmmaker for 37 years, and I love the power of stories. The disciples asked Jesus, why do you tell so many stories? And he told them, because it makes the hard ground ready to hear. I want to tell you about another heart drop from God in my trail of heart stories. It was my eighth grade school year, and I had a new boyfriend, and he was in the youth group at First Baptist Church, Chickasha, Oklahoma. My family was members of this church, but we hadn't gone there in many years. But even so, joining the youth group seemed like a great way to see this new boyfriend, so I went. What I didn't expect was the forever life change that was about to happen. To help guide me on this radical change that was coming, God sent a heart drop. Two of the most beautiful people I would ever know, Dwayne and Sylvia Booth. They were the youth leaders and choir directors at First Baptist Church. They had been missionaries to Thailand and were back home in Oklahoma while their kids were in high school. Their presence, just their presence, was so powerful to me because they were full of love and, and kindness and passion for Jesus. It wasn't long after I met them that the church held what they called a lay witness revival service. It was the first time I ever heard that Jesus was to be Lord of your life, not just your Savior. You know, as I sat and listened, I felt something in my spirit that was wooing me. It was, it was the Spirit of God. I wanted Him. Sign me up. When I said yes, Jesus radically changed me, not only in that moment, but in the days, weeks, and months to come. My scared, angry heart was suddenly full of joy and peace. Now, I wasn't done with all the anger that had stored up in my heart from past wounds, not by a long shot. But the relief I felt made a huge change in my behavior. It also changed the way I saw my world, the way I saw my family. Over the next four years, Duane and Sylvia would spend many hours, all through the night sometimes, encouraging me and guiding me. The thing I guess they did that was the most valuable to me was they taught me how to love God. They taught me how to live for God. They modeled the love of Christ. I consistently felt their love. Rest assured, I wasn't the only one they gave so much to. They loved Jesus with all their heart, and it was evident. They believed in me, and they knew my passion for God was real. I was growing spiritually, and I was pursuing God and all He offered with all the zeal I had. I remember one event, the summer I turned 15. Dwayne and Sylvia took our youth group to North Dakota for a mission trip. Weeks before we left, I felt God impressing upon me to be ready that He was going to require something out of the ordinary of me on this trip. I prayed often, and I asked God, what is this? I got no answer, but the feeling didn't let up either. Time came, and we headed to North Dakota. We were holding a revival service in the church we were visiting, and it was the last night of the trip before heading home, and nothing out of the norm had happened. And I couldn't believe I was wrong. I'd been so sure God was speaking to me. The young man with us who was to preach the sermon that evening came to the church upset because he had lost his Bible and his sermon notes. 
We prayed for God to come through, and the service started. I was in the choir singing when all of a sudden I felt intense anxiety in my stomach. I guess the best way I could describe it is this powerful and sudden stage fright feeling. After a moment of this, it was it was as if someone lassoed a rope around me and pulled me out of the choir. I remember I went straight to Dwayne and I was shaking. I was short of breath and I was freaked out. I said, Dwayne, I have no idea what's going on, but I think God wants me to say something, but I have no idea what it is. Very calmly, put his arm on my shoulder and he said, it's okay, Sandra, don't worry. Now, right after Stan, another guy in our group, gives his testimony, go to the microphone, ask Timmy to pray for you and everything will be okay. Well, Timmy was the guy with the missing sermon. I went back to the choir and I waited, feeling like I was going to lose my dinner. At the appointed time, I went to the microphone. I looked out at the packed audience, shaking like crazy. After Timmy prayed, I put my hands on the pulpit and I was as calm and collected as I am right now. I didn't pause, hesitate, or even consider what I should say. Now, here's the actual audio from August 11th, 1974. And let me just prepare you. If you think I sound oaky now, wait to hear this. I sound like Reba McIntyre. I was so oaky. I had said something about I feel like being called to be a missionary. Now I thought, now I, you know, I, I wonder, you look at me, the kind of Christian that I am. And I could turn around here and see Christians up here that I thought could be a better missionary than me. And I thought, God, I know you knew everything. And I realized I didn't. I thought, now God, for a long time I thought, God, you, I know you know what you're doing, so why are you calling me? Why? So I said, God, you're God, you're Lord. You know what you're doing. So if you don't want me to be a missionary, I will. When I finished, I had no idea how long I had spoken, but it had been 40 minutes. Without saying a word, the pastor came to the front, and the piano player went to the piano when they issued an invitation. That's what they call it in Baptist and other churches, where they give you an opportunity at the end of the service to make a decision for God. People began to come to the front and pray. Others were making up with one another where there had been problems. To tell you the truth, I'm not really sure what all God was doing or what he even did that night. But what I do remember is that Dwayne gave a 15-year-old girl the space to let God pour through her. It was a defining moment in my life, and Dwayne had made room for that to happen. At the beginning of my junior year in high school, the church organist left to move to another town after many, many years of being there. And this left a vacancy. Our church was the biggest in town. Oh, we had about probably 1,200 members, and maybe half of that came weekly. And we were also on the local cable television station. Now, remember, this was 1975. Here's the crazy part. I could play the piano a little bit. I'd had about a year of lessons in my past. And I, I could only play chords because I couldn't read music for the left hand. If you aren't familiar with sheet music, the notes for the left hand are different than the notes for the right hand. And in spite of this big handicap, I actually had the courage to ask Dwayne if I could be the new organist. I'll say this, I must have been born with courage because it sure wasn't common sense. Anyway, 
he thought about it, and I don't think he had much common sense either because he said, yes, I could be the new organist on one condition. I had to agree to take organ lessons from a very accomplished teacher that lived in our town. Well, I did just that, and I didn't want to let Dwayne down, so I practiced literally eight hours a day. I would get out of school about 1.30, go straight to church, and I would start practicing at 2, and at 10 o'clock at night, many nights, my mother would come knock on the door and say, you got to come home and go to bed. But you know what? With all that practicing, I became so much better that I ever imagined I could be that I even majored in organ my freshman year in college. One more time, Dwayne had believed in me and encouraged me, and I grew. I did something I never thought I could do. My senior year in high school, Dwayne and Sylvia went back to the mission field. Oh, I cried a lot when they left. A year after they left, I had a very painful experience in church, and that began 14 years of straying away from God. I walked away from church, and I gradually walked away from my relationship with Jesus. I have two messages today. One is that our love and our actions can draw people to our Heavenly Father. And two, our lack of love and mean-spirited actions can push people away from Him. During this dry and painful 14-year period, the hole in my heart got bigger and bigger. I got involved in New Age despite my belief in Christ. I was definitely a sheep gone astray. In the meantime, Dwayne and Sylvia came back from the mission field and moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Sylvia had taken a position with the Southern Baptist Home Mission Board. She had been the first director of the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Oklahoma City, and the headquarters of the Southern Baptist talked her into coming to Atlanta and doing this on a nationwide level. It's fair to say, my dear Sylvia left an indelible mark in the area of saving unborn children. By now, I was married and lived in Houston working as a filmmaker. In the midst of my spiritual struggle, I had a client send me to Atlanta to shoot some video. I went. I also went to see my old friends while there. I confessed my involvement with New Age, and I was sure they were going to have a fit. They didn't. They didn't even seem worried. They calmly looked at me and said, We know what's inside of you. And you're going to come through this, and you're going to make the right decision. You know, that's all it took. I came home and turned my back on New Age, never to return. My heart drops from heaven had guided me again. By the way, my client never did anything with the footage I shot. I believe with all my heart it was the hand of God, sending me to His faithful servants to speak truth to me and get me back on the right path. I continued to see them from time to time over the years. In 2012, while I was in production for our film Faith Under Fire, I received word that Sylvia had gone to heaven. Now listen to this. She passed from this life on February 8th. That is the very day that was established for pro-life advocates to take roses to their state capitol to present to our legislators. Wow, only God. I was heartbroken that Sylvia was gone. I shut down production and headed to Oklahoma to pay tribute to my hero. I wish so much that I just had one more day to tell her how much she had meant to me and how much of an impact she had made on my life. After the service, I went to give Dwayne a hug. 
when I saw him, I reached out and hugged him. And there was so much I wanted to say. And I tried to talk, but all I could do was sob. No matter how much I tried to control myself, all I could do was sob. And in the midst of my crying, Dwayne thanked me. (laughs) He thanked me for everything I had done to help him while he served at the church we went to. He went on and on about how much I had helped him and all I did for him. I was speechless. How could this man be thinking me? It was I that owed him thanks. How could a 15, 16-year-old kid have done anything for him? How do you express adequately the feelings in your heart and the gratitude you have for people that make such a lasting difference in your life? Dwayne and Sylvia taught me how to love God. I still hold their love for me and my love for them in a very special place in my heart. No one else will ever occupy that place. Sylvia, Dwayne, thank you. I love you both. If you have a story of a special person in your life that you would like to share with us, please go to our website, heartstonenetwork.com, and click on the tab at the top that reads, Share Your Testimony. I'd love to hear about it, and I know others would too. I hope you'll join me again next week as I tell you about the next heart drop on my path. Until then, may you experience the trail of hearts in your life. Love big, everyone. Love God and love your fellow man. And most importantly, love yourself. Next time.